Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This episode of the Art of Manliness podcast is brought to you by Flint and Tinder, exclusively at Huckberry.com. Flint and Tinder, pretty much my whole wardrobe was Flint and Tinder at this point. They make just classic staples, Henley's, denim. I got a wax trucker jacket from Flint and Tinder, a button-down Oxford from Flint and Tinder. Their hoodie, their famous 10-year hoodie, I've had mine for five years. It's still going strong. All of it's made in the USA. You can go to Huckberry.com to check this stuff out. Check out the Flint and Tinder link. And when you're ready to check out, use code ART15 to get 15% off your first purchase. So Huckberry Check out Flynn Tinder. Use code ART15 to get 15% off your first purchase. Go check it out today. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Manliness podcast. And this week, we return to our series called Man Stories, where every other week, we interview a different gentleman and ask him what it means to be a man. And this week, our guest is Robert Disk. Robert, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Brett. I appreciate that. Well, I thank you for uh, taking the time to speak to us today. And so before we get started, Robert, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, Like I said, my name's Robert Disk. My least favorite question is where I'm from, because I grew up as a Marine Corps brat, so I grew up everywhere. So usually I just say um, I'm currently from, you know, like right now I'm currently from Ogden, Utah, and I'm a divorced single father of three. All right. And uh, the way I met Robert was he's very active in the Art of Manliness community uh, at community.artofmanliness.com. He's really acted there and had some you know great insights and he's you know great guy there and from my understanding robert you are also not only a an army brat but you're also you also served in the military yourself is that correct i did i did i actually served two branches i joined the marine corps way back in 1990 right before the gulf war and then right after the gulf war our president uh, was cutting back the marine corps so i was offered uh, to get a honorable discharge or going to the reserve. So I went to the reserves, and then they disbanded my reserve unit a year or two after that. And so the, on, the, only, um, the only military police unit available in the state at the time was a military police unit in the Army National Guard. So I did a lateral transfer and then did the rest of my years doing that. Wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, Robert, are you ready to get started with the questions? Sure thing. All right, Robert. So when did you feel like you became a man? That one always makes me laugh, because <laughs> it makes me think about it, because I distinctly remember the time, the date, the place, and uh, Marine Corps Recruit Depot, oh, okay. Marine Corps graduation from boot camp. <laughs> I remember uh, I remember feeling, because you feel like you earn it, really yeah. do. 
to go through back then it was 13 weeks of hell so that's that's when i realized just kind of felt it and so how old were you when that happened i was 23 years old okay so you're pretty young then yeah and so do you think the experience you had in the military kind of prepared you for other facets of your life you know it basically set a foundation for just about everything in my life Mm -hmm. Uh, between church and the marine corps and my dad it kind of it prepared me for just about everything took everything i taught as a kid because i grew up as a marine brat so it was like going home when i went to boot camp and um struggles in life emotional physical mental um boot camp just kind of prepares you for it It, what they do is they tear you down i mean they really emotionally just tear you down Mm -hmm. and then slowly but surely they build you up and they build you back into a Marine. And then when you get your, get your dress blues on and you're walking across that parade ground and you've got four uncles that are former Marines, retired Marines, and your father that's a retired Marine, and you think of all the dead grandparents that are uh, were Marines, and you just everything clicks and connects, and you just feel like a man. Yeah. I mean, right there, what you described is a perfect example of a rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you go in... And you're kind of stripped away from society, and you're actually kind of initiated in by elder men, in this case your uncles and your father and everyone else who preceded you, kind of into manhood. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Well, even even in boot camp, your your senior drill instructor becomes almost like your father, literally. I mean, emotionally, you want his, you want his praise, you want him to be proud of you, and you feel like you've earned his respect when you graduate. So it really is a rite of passage. That's really great that you had that experience because one of the things we've talked about on the site before is that a lot of men these days, particularly younger men, don't have that experience. I know. And it's really sad. And you you can actually see it too. I mean, you can see it in their lives by the way they systematically live their lives. You can see by their actions and by their choices, you can see the lack of it. So the Marines and the military is a big part of helping you shape your idea of masculinity and kind of bring you into becoming a man. What does manliness mean to you, Robert? Well, for me, it was, it's always been knowing and perfecting yourself mm-hmm. by embracing your manhood. You know, as a kid, you look forward to becoming a man and going through all those little things like shaving and, you know, all the little things you look forward to going to in my family, it's shaving and hunting and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And you, you start getting all these messages from, outside of your family unit and from the world, you know, and it starts confusing. Like, what are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even, even your, your role defined as a boy starts getting confusing. And of course, you've also have that little, uh, little thing called, uh, hormones going through puberty, confusing the issues a lot more too. And so I was always taught to be the best person you can be, but it was always, you know, knowing yourself and protecting yourself and, once you realize what manhood is from the examples around you, that's what you kind of strive to be. And that's always what I was always taught it was, is just being the best man you can be. And going on that, you know, looking at the examples of manliness to follow, it kind of leads on to our next question. You know, what men in your life, you know, either living, dead, you know, even fictional, have influenced your views of manliness? Well, see, all of my um, examples kind of coagulate together. <laughs> Because my father was a Marine, and at 17 years old, he joined the Marine Corps and spent five years in Japan. I have several brothers, and we used to sit around as kids 
and my dad and my brothers, we would watch James Bond movies. And, you know, you, you see James Bond, and there's all kinds of cool things about him that a boy just loves. You got gadgets, you got girls, you got cars, you know, all the cool stuff. And that's something that kind of influenced me a lot. It's not really the movies and the characters of James Bond, which did, but doing those things as a bonding experience with my dad and with my brothers. And then we also were, were forced to take karate at a very young age. And it was different back then than it is today. Back then, there was no English spoken in our dojo. And sometimes a dojo was a garage in somebody's house. There's a lot of things, the rites of passages that you go through in that, too, because as the, as the lower-ranking belts, it's your job after class to bend over in line with wet rag and wipe down the dojo floor. That's my biggest memories. But every Saturday, we had to spend two hours listening to lecture on philosophy, history of karate, and things of that nature. So got a lot of martial philosophy growing up as a kid. So, And again, my father brought that influence of Gichin Funakoshi into my life that way, too. And so Gichin Funakoshi is a big, big influence philosophically. And then my uncles. So I guess everything kind of, kind of centers around family with me because my Uncle Bob, when I was younger, he uh, owned an auto body shop. And during, during school, year, school days, um, I worked at his auto body shop, and he built custom hot rods and show cars and muscle cars. And so I grew up with this, this love of muscle cars. And he, too, was also, you know, a former Marine. And during the summers, my mom and dad always felt we needed something to uh, keep us out of trouble and to build our character as boys. And so my brothers and I were sent to my uncle's ranch in Arizona. And it's a real ranch, not the Billy Crystal kind. <laughs> you know, everybody gets these romantic ideas. It's like, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, mixing up 300 bottles, giant baby bottles of calf formula and hand-feeding them is not romantic or fun. Yeah, no. But my Uncle Hank was a, a cattle rancher, and, you know, he was a very typical masculine cowboy. Handlebar mustache, same boots for 30 years, same hat for 30 years. Every morning, got up, worked the ranch, taught, taught us how to, how to work cattle, how to care for them, how to rope, how to ride, and hard, hard work. Mm-hmm. And he was always full of cowboy wisdom. Yeah, well, what, like, what so kind of cowboy us, wisdom did he have? Well, just the basic things. Like, you know, I mean, I know it's always kind of funny when you say don't squat on your spurs, but it teaches you a lesson, especially <laughs> the first time you do it. It hurts. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of life things, like trusting people. He used to he used to pass on little little cowboy wisdoms here and there about trusting people. You would learn these things, you ingrain them in your lives, and to this day, I automatically trust people to a certain point just because of him. Mm-hmm. You know, even in the days of cynicism and everything, I still do. Seeing the good in people was something he always did. He always saw the good in people first, and then judged them by their actions later as they were lowered down the scale. And so that's that's something we were always taught to do. He says that people are just like cows. You treat them right, you keep them healthy, they'll always be easy to handle and manage. <laughs> and it's true. It's a little simplistic, but it's true. If you treat them right, keep them fed and keep them healthy, they're real easy to deal with. You can lead them just about anywhere. So uh, family, uh, the men in your family have uh, been the biggest influence in your life. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's another, I think, another thing that a lot of men lack these days. Family's not that big in their life. Even if, even if they have... A, you know, a father at home, a lot of times the dad's away, busy at work or devoted to other things, but not necessarily in their children. And a lot of people these days don't have the luxury of living nearby extended family and kind of getting that extra extra support. 
you know, and I never really realized that before. I don't, I never realized how great I really had it as a boy growing up. Seven brothers, dad, uncles, grandparents, you know, they were always there. And I, I never realized that, you know, out of my little, my little box of influence that the world outside of mine, there are people that don't have that. Well, Robert, you mentioned uh, your dad a little bit, how he's kind of influenced your idea of manliness. Uh, are there any other more specific examples of your, you know, the ways your father has influenced your conception of masculinity or manliness? You know, there are so many. We don't even have time. You know, as a boy, I saw my dad working as a Marine. We'd go visit him on base. We'd bring lunch to him during lunch hour. I watched how he was with other Marines and noticed he was different than some of the other Marines, you know. But I saw him work his butt off. I saw him take two or three jobs to support all the kids that he had to support. So he was a Marine, and then he worked as a security guard at a medical facility, research facility in California. And I remember seeing him come home late at night and thinking, well, I haven't seen my dad in a week. And then dad would take the weekend and spend a few hours with us and tell us, well, I haven't seen you know guys in a while. I'm sorry, so let's go do this. And we'd go, you know, go fishing for the day or something like that, or just do something silly. He always worked hard. And when he, when we did things around the house, around the property, because my dad had a thing. He grew up in the city, and my mom grew up in the country. And so he wanted to live in the country all the time. So that's where we lived every time we moved someplace. We always lived out in the boonies, and we had cows and pigs and chickens and everything. And my dad's trying to reclaim something that he, he felt he missed out on. And he worked our butts off. <laughs> we always had to work hard. And, you know, you get, you know, I went to the Marine Corps and learned a lot about my dad because I'd go through boot camp where I'd be, you know, in my permanent duty station, like at Camp Pendleton, and you see everybody around you. And I get these little, little reminders of my dad, like, that's a characteristic my dad always taught us. That's part of what my dad is right there. You know, and... I guess the best thing, way to say his influence was is that he taught us 90% of everything by example. You know, he was, a, he was a very strong man, still is. He was always a family man. You know, he had eight kids of his own. And then I had an uncle that was debilitated by disease, and he took his three cousins, my, three, three of my cousins, his three sons, and adopted them. And they grew up like brothers with me. Wow. And then my aunt ended up having almost the same exact same thing happened to her. She was debilitated, and he took her three daughters and adopted them and raised them as his daughters. And so I grew up in a huge household. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. You can fill the baseball And uh, with you. our church, well, yeah, our, our church had a, a program to help uh, the Navajos several years ago back in the 70s. And I remember several foster kids coming through the house as a kid, and we were always ordered to treat them like family, and that's something we always did. And so, you know, we were taught by example that family is important. It's everything. And spirituality, you know, my, my father was raised as a, a strict Lutheran in Pennsylvania. He found religion in another religion and was disowned because he joined the, joined the religion, and uh, it didn't stop him. And he didn't force any religion on, on us as kids either. He always taught us that spirituality was coming to terms with whatever supreme being or higher power you believed in or found and coming to terms with it. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me by, by seeing his example. And, you know, I was taught religion. I was taught about God, but I wasn't forced to accept it. It was always out there like, well, this is what I believe. And this is what's right. And was never told you'll believe this or you'll be punished or any kind of thing like that. And that, that allowed me to make my own decision as I discovered different things as I grew up.
And so I saw my dad live, live as an example. He lived his religion, still does. He still treats family so important. You know, he's got 63 grandkids now. He sees all of them. <laughs> he knows all of them. And that's always been important. So as an adult, it's important to me. And I'm one of those unusual cases where I have full-time custody of my daughters after my divorce. You know, and I still treat my wife with respect because of what I learned from my father. You know, we don't talk bad about mom in the house mm-hmm. because mom is part of family. It's my daughter's mother. That That's something that's just kind of ingrained in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's silly things like my dad had a policy that if you break it, you fix it or replace it. And so I can fix almost everything now as an adult because of that, because I was forced to fix things or replace things. And as a kid, didn't have the money to replace them, so I had to fix them. And it's, there's so many examples I could give you. We could go on for hours on this because he just taught by example. And that's exactly how I try to teach my kids. And I hope I'm doing okay with that, but I'm not sure yet. Well, your dad sounds like quite a man. Robert, you mentioned that you um, have that kind of unusual circumstance where you you have full custody of your children um, after your divorce. Yeah. And they're all daughters. Is that correct? Yes. So what's that like? Uh, I'm sure that's kind of an interesting. You grew up in a household of boys, and now you're a, a single dad with, with three three girls. How's, how's that been for you? I had to call my mom sometimes, and my mom would say, well, call your sister Cindy. She knows how to braid hair. I'd call my sister, who lives in Phoenix, and I'd say, Cindy, the girls are crying. You know, this is when they were much younger. Says, I, I, they, they, they want me to braid their hair, and I'm, I'm a guy. I don't know how to braid hair. My sister would sit there and take me through painstaking details over the phone how to braid hair. <laughs> and my mom would call me. If I'd call my mom and say, I'd be frustrated. Parental frustration, typical, I hope, for everybody. And my mom would say, you know what? The problem you're having is, is you're a man. And they're like, what? She goes, I'll let you talk to your dad, and he'll tell you what to do about this situation. My dad would get on the phone, and my mom would be telling him what to say. And my dad would say, Robert, they're girls. Just accept it. So it, it's always been different. And it, it's been kind of a struggle, too, because I have a teenager now, which scares the tar out of me. But she's 13. She plays volleyball, plays in the jazz band at school. And so between music lessons, you know, after school sports and activities, church and church activities and everything, I feel like a soccer mom sometimes. I'm just running back and forth. And it's hard to do the whole work thing and the life thing and still keep your kids going. And then my middle daughter is uh, 12 years old. And so she's in the same middle school as her older sister. I have to be dad. Sometimes I have to be be mom sometimes because mom doesn't spend as much time with them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I have to admit, you know, the, the, the the only times I've ever had to purposefully swallow my masculinity was allowing my daughters to paint my nails and (laughs) do my hair and put clown makeup on me, you know, but it was hard for me. It took weeks for me to say, okay, fine. Your mother's not here paint my nails. I don't care. You know, and it was, it was actually really difficult for me to do something that I was always raised. That's a girl thing. You don't do it. And so I had to swallow my masculinity and say, okay, let's be girls. And the teenage struggles between parents that always will happen. It was difficult because girls are different. And, you know, I can't just look at them and say, man up, but you're crying. You know, rub some dirt on it. And I find myself doing that, and then I get this look, and it's always the same look. I think they learned it from their mother, this rolling of the eyes look and then staring at Dad. And I have to stop and step back and realize that, okay, I have to treat this situation differently because I'm not relating as a girl. I can't I can't get them to relate as a boy, and so that won't ever work. So it, it was actually very different, and it's been very difficult. Um, and, and keeping 
keeping their mother in their lives is, is a struggle sometimes. Everybody automatically assumes usually that, that uh, the man's at fault yeah. in a divorce. Or if a man's single, it's his fault. He did something wrong. I've had people be surprised when they find out, well, yeah, I've got my daughters all week. Sorry, I can't do that. I've got to do this or I've got to do that. And people always congratulate me on, oh, you're such an involved father. It's like, I don't get that. But isn't that what fathers do? Yeah. That's just natural for me. So it, it's been quite the struggle being a single dad. Well, maybe this uh, kind of relates on to our next question. Maybe this is the answer to the, the question I'm about to ask. What's the hardest thing you've ever done as a man, either emotionally or physically or spiritually? You know, I read, I, I, I thought about that question. That, that was actually one of the hardest questions to actually think about yeah. and answer because I didn't have an answer right off the top of my head. Immediately I was, I was thinking, oh, divorce, because it was really hard emotionally. But I thought back about it, and you're familiar with this because you did it, but for two years... I gave voluntary full-time service for our church. Mm -hmm. It was really hard because we don't, we didn't watch TV, read the newspaper, listen to the radio, participate in all the things that, you know, normal 19-year-old kids do. We uh, separated ourselves from the world, went out in the world, we knocked on doors, we taught people about our church, we helped people by, by um, doing service projects and giving service, and that was a spiritual, emotional, and mental struggle for me that I grew more in those two years than I think I have in the past 30 some odd years. I mean, it was, it was really difficult for me, yeah. but I would never give that experience up because of what I learned and what I became because of it. I agree. Yeah. It oh. made boot camp easier. <laughs> I'm sure. And honestly, it did. Uh, what, what Robert's talking about here, we both served missions for our church. And those of you who are familiar with the LDS faith, uh, you've probably seen uh, the guys in white shirts and ties uh, knocking on your door and you might run away from them and hide, and uh, that's okay. We understand. But yeah, it really is a, a life-changing experience. And for me, that was kind of my rite of passage into manhood, I guess. And I guess for you, it was yeah. Marine Corps afterwards. But I, I know for a lot of men, it, the mission is a, a, a rite of passage. Yeah. Well, interesting. Well, Robert, thank you for your time. I appreciate you uh, being available for us and answering some of these questions. No problem. I enjoyed it. That wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check back at the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And remember, we got a book on sale too. It's the Art of Manliness, Classic Skills and Manners for the Modern Man. You can find it at amazon.com or any other major bookstore. And for more information about the book, check out the website at artofmanliness.com slash the book. And until next week, stay manly. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.